Major support for Carolina Business Review provided by Grant Thornton. Operating in more than 100 countries, our tax audit and advisory professionals specialize in helping companies unlock their growth potential. Colonial Life, providing benefits to employees to help them protect their family, their finances, and their futures. And Sonoco, a global manufacturer of consumer and industrial packaging products and provider of packaging services with more than 300 operations in 35 countries. You don't have to look too far to see evidence of a very rich economy. It's not to say it's been robustly growing for the last decade, but slow growth over the last 10 plus years, by the way, now has produced some pretty amazing results when you look around. Welcome again to the most widely watched source of Carolina business policy and public affairs. I am Chris William on this program. As always, we will disseminate the economy, business, politics, policy across the region and what issues are worth knowing. And later, there is no better evidence of a good economy than disposable income to play things like golf. McConnell Golf CEO John McConnell joins the conversation again, and we will start in a moment. Gratefully acknowledging support by Martin Marietta, a leading provider of natural resource-based building materials, providing the foundation upon which our communities improve and grow. Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina, an independent licensee of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association. Visit us at SouthCarolinaBlues.com. The Duke Endowment, a private foundation enriching communities in the Carolinas through higher education, healthcare, rural churches, and children's services. Bearings, a leading global asset management firm dedicated to meeting the evolving investment and capital needs of its clients. Learn more at bearings.com. On this edition of Carolina Business Review, Bob Morgan of Robinson Bradshaw, Mark Ferris of the Greenville Area Development Corporation, and special guest, John McConnell, CEO of McConnell Golf. Welcome to the program, Mark. Bob, good to have you both here. Thank you. Good to be with you. Guys, this is, this, this is my term, but we seem to have this obsession with recession. We seem to be looking for it so much, I'm wondering if we talk ourselves into it and or we, it keeps us from doing other things. What, what, what are your thoughts? Well, Chris, you know, the last recession is one that hit Charlotte particularly hard being led by the banking crisis. So I think there's some uh, still a little hangover left um, from that. Uh, and then the other thing is this economy is long in the tooth, to use the cliche. And if you believe in the business cycle that uh, there are going to be ups and downs, um, you know, we're 11, 11 years or so into it. And when you look at the uncertainty around issues like trade, the tight labor market, uh, the politics of, of the country right now, um, there's a lot of uncertainty. And so I think all of that goes into the, the anxiety there is a, around that question. Is there a specter of recession, Mark, that hangs over what you do or what you hear? It's funny, I saw, a, I saw a survey yesterday where half of the purchasing managers in the U.S. think we're already in a recession. So there's, I think there's a definite slowdown. Economic development is a pretty good barometer. Uh, if our phones start or stop ringing, then about 18 months later, things get really slow. You know, companies plan decisions two years in advance a lot of times, and, and it's definitely slowing. So have your phones stopped ringing? Not stopped. Uh, we're, we're fortunate. We've, we're seeing a lot of office projects in lieu of manufacturing, so we're getting a little more diversified in Greenville and the upstate. 
So I wonder, are those, so when you say office, it's commercial development? Yes, it is commercial, uh, back office. Uh, um, Call thing. center, exactly. that kind of those, stuff? those kind of things. Is that happening, it, would you say, mainly in the upstate or across Palmetto? Pretty much uh, everywhere, I think, yeah. in South Carolina, along the coast and, and, and even around Columbia. Yeah, Bob, same, same question around trade, as Mark described, and we were talking before the program, that phone stop ringing the pipeline for economic development you know gets a, gets a lot more holes in it if you will do you get that sense too well i'm not directly involved in it as i used to be of course but um i think it's a little distorted in charlotte um yes uh, foreign direct investment has slowed down uh, take the example of uh, all the uncertainty around china 10 years ago, we had five Chinese companies in this market. Today, we have 45. Um, it's hard to envision that kind of growth in the next couple of years with all of the uncertainty around uh, the issue of trade uh, with China. Having said that, um, there's a lot of momentum in Charlotte. If you look at um, the, the Honeywell announcement, for example, uh, the largest corporation to relocate to North Carolina in our history, uh, a lot of other people in the corporate world uh, have seen that and they've taken note of that. And um, I'm aware of some examples of companies that are saying, hey, if Honeywell made that move, uh, we'd like to better understand that because maybe we ought to be thinking the same way. Did, did Honeywell, and I may be asking you to speak for a company and you might not be able to authorize to do that, but Honeywell or others that have relocated recently, and Mark's coming to you next, sure. uh, the idea of finding talent. Can they find enough workers? It, it's all about talent, and it's about their ability to attract talent long term. It's why they leave a state like New Jersey to come to a place like Charlotte, where there are 100 people a day moving into this region, where you go down to the center city or to South End, uh, and you have to duck uh, from being hit by young people on scooters. Uh, HR people see those young people on scooters as the talent they need to be competitive long term. Same question on talent. Can yeah, you find absolutely. Uh, we were with a development uh, uh, company the other day, and they told the story that in terms of retention of their employees, it was so important to them, they were putting $100 a square foot into amenities, you know, uh, cafeterias and, and, you know, comfortable places for their employees to sit. So that was their retention plan. They were going to make it like being at home. Uh, and so it's, it's that kind of uh, tactics that are starting to occur in a lot of companies just to kind of hold on to the talent because it's difficult to find new people. Is it critical to find new people? Critical. Or is it, yeah, you would call it? Absolutely. Would, would you call it a crisis? It's full employment. <laughs> but again, we happen to be in a market where, you know, economic development, the debate, do jobs follow people? Do people follow jobs? Right. Uh, it's a virtuous cycle right now that both are being attracted to this market. And um, it's full employment. I wouldn't call it a crisis. It's a darn good problem to have. How about, how about commercial development, especially in the upstate? Think of the upstate, the low country, Charlotte, Raleigh, even Asheville and Wilmington do have very robust commercial development. A lot of cranes out of the ground, a lot of plans, a lot of footers being poured, not just plans, but real evidence is being manifest. Bob, are we, are we in risk of overbuilding in those urban courts? Well, we are in a unique situation. I mean, it is almost surreal how busy the general contractors are and, and the commercial development uh, that's, that's taking place. Chris, all good things come to an end if you believe in the business cycle, and there is a uh, th there is a downturn out there somewhere. Um, it's hard to see it anytime soon when you look at all of the construction uh, that's taking place. Um, I would say, in addition to the commercial development, uh, the the investment that's being made by local government and state governments just on road projects. You can't drive 
anywhere in Charlotte without coming across one lane that's closed after another uh, for all of the investment that's going into uh, infrastructure. And um, there's an economic benefit to that. Mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, and, and and I would think as a, as a market that's growing in population, we're never going to get ahead of the curve, but we need to keep investing in that transportation infrastructure to help people move around. But it also has an, a positive economic impact. If you can keep reminding drivers that are stuck in that traffic, there's an economic benefit to you <laughs> right. being stuck in traffic. Mark, you seeing that same in, in yeah, Greenville sure. and Spartanburg? Uh, we've got, of course, that section I-85 that's been uh, uh, improved, and that's been we've been at it for two years. <laughs> Since the crust of the earth cooled, I might. But, you know, you're talking about commercial. Um, we have 30 people a day that move to Greenville. So if you think about the kind of activity in terms of rooftops, you know, that's what the commercial groups look for. And we've got huge commercial projects underway, a thousand hotel rooms being built in downtown Greenville. So that side of things is, is still pretty good. Even that has slowed some, though. Do, do you all think that the and, and my term is the political high drama between now and next November is does this take the steam out of expansion or is this and I don't want to completely minimize it. Bob, uh, start with you on this. Uh, do, do you get the sense that the, the politics are going to happen regardless and it will be running um, almost a nuisance and it won't really upset business or momentum or jobs or education? What, what's your sense? The politics are going to be what they are. I think the for business, it is about trade. It is about what the Fed does with interest rates. Long term, uh, I believe it's about immigration. Uh, we still don't have true immigration reform. That's one of the ways to address the talent question. Um, I think for business, those those policy issues are still going to be paramount. Yeah, same thing, Mike. Yeah, we were at the Frankfurt Auto Show a couple of weeks ago, and we met with a number of companies. And one of the first questions is, well, what's going on? Well, you know, what's going on with your government? What's going on with the president? You know, and and, and that uh, introduces that element of risk. And and for them. Uh, I think they're they're wanting to sit on the sidelines, see how things work out, especially during the election. So it's more than a novelty of being entertained about the American president. There's some real issues about politics. Absolutely. They're concerned. Uh, we've uh, had a recent conversation with the ports, South Carolina ports and Jim Newsom down there. And we talked about trade and and they are at record volumes. However, um, I couldn't help but have a conversation with Mr. Newsom and some of the senior leaders about the BMWs that are shipped both both ways there. Um, does BMW, is BMW at risk for being such a big part of the South Carolina upstate economy and having trade, dis the trade dispute the way it is? I think a lot of their suppliers potentially are, are, are feeling the effects of the tariffs. And, and as a result, then again, that's, that introduces that element of risk to them in terms of producing the uh, automobiles. But I think they are, uh, they have such a, an efficient process that I think they, they can ad adapt and adjust pretty quickly. Okay, thank you. Stay with us, gentlemen. We're gonna meet our guests in just a moment. Coming up in the next few weeks on the program, he has been here before, the Chief Executive Officer of LabCorp will be here. David King joins us as well as coming up. Larry Appel, the chief executive officer of Fresh Market in food retailing. They have been very aggressive in uh, expansion the next or the last few years and we'll find out what their strategy is going forward. McConnell Golf has been described as one of the largest private owners of golf clubs in the region. To date, about 13 courses, plus or minus, maybe a little bit more on the plus side, that stretch from Tennessee to the Grand Strand and to the Low Country and all across the Carolinas. 
started with the acquisition and actually it was a rescue country club, Raleigh Country Club, 16 years ago, to preserve legendary golf course designer Donald Ross's last design has now clearly become something else besides just that course. Joining us now again is John McConnell, golf founder and CEO of McConnell Golf. Welcome again, sir. How are Thank you? Thank you, Chris. Thank you. It's great to be here as always. Thank you, John. You have, uh, so you heard the conversation uh, yes. that we've had about this obsession with recession. John, when you started with your, your first course, Raleigh Country Club, that was in 03, 08, 09, 10 came along. And now we're going to be staring at something that looks like a slowdown. You're much bigger, much uh, possibly more risk. How do you plan for a slowdown in a disposable income kind of industry? It's a great question. I need to find some talent that uh, can help <laughs> me answer that. But, uh, you know, when I got in this business uh, buying Raleigh Country Club, one of my friends said uh, very prophetically, John, you're in an industry now that knows when the first to know the recession's coming and the last guy to know the recession has ended. <laughs> and I think that's very accurate. So we uh, always focus on retention of members, trying to create value so that, uh, you know, we, we want them to buy used cars and not drop their membership if times get tough. Mm -hmm. what, what has been surprising about having one and now 13 plus courses that you didn't expect? Just the overall uh, support and excitement that members express. Uh, I went out to Knoxville, played Holston Hills, went to Asheville, played that one. I love this, John, I love this. So I think it's the value and uh, the experience that people have uh, when they come to one of our properties that has been very re rewarding to me. Mm -hmm. Bob? John, you're in a dozen or more markets in the Carolinas. What are you seeing in the broader economy trends uh, in those different, different markets? Uh, Charlotte, Wilmington, Asheville, and Raleigh are on fire. The rest of the markets are average. Hmm. So again, it's like anything else. It's uh, the urban areas are where we want to invest in the future. What about the South Carolina properties? Uh, Musgrove Mill is down near Greenville, and uh, we've had the biggest uptick in membership at that club this year since I purchased it. You know, in 2007, I believe. Or John, we were just talking about the labor situation. Has it been an issue for the golf course? It's probably our biggest issue right now really? is getting uh, access to. Uh, not skilled labor, but more of the uh, golf course maintenance type uh, uh, expertise. And I think uh, we're looking very, I, I call it excitedly about John Deere, some of the other manufacturers are coming out with GPS, you know, driverless tractors and, and mowers, et cetera, because really and truly the labor market for golf courses and probably other, you know, landscaping business, et cetera, is very tight. And I think that has to do with less workers coming, you know, up up uh, to this region and the, the wages are going up and you know we have a very low margin business so it's very difficult for us to pay what some of the other people can afford. How, how has uh, businesses like Topgolf changed and somebody mm. somebody on the crew said Topgolf's more like a Dave and Buster's experience for golf and, and that's fairly accurate that it's more of an entertainment around the sport. Does it, that change yeah. it? It reminds me a lot of bowling alleys when I was a kid. They became very popular. You know, everybody learned to bowl, et cetera. But now I go to a bowling alley and don't see that many people. So Top Gob is more of a social experience, and it's busy. You know, if you look at uh, your children, I have a 16-year-old, 
he's on his video games the minute he comes in from school. So they want that excitement of, you know, people blowing up uh, land cruisers or, or, you know, airplanes, et cetera. And Topgolf gives you that, uh, I call it the reinforcement of I hit a good shot and bingo, you know, the lights go on. Do you think it's a fad or a trend? I hope it's a trend. So it's additive to the game? Sure. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. John, related to that, uh, it seems like some of the larger golf resorts in the Carolinas are in an arms race to build spas and craft breweries and uh, to, to have more than just golf. Are you seeing that with, with your properties? Uh, we're not chasing that. To me, it's like the college arm race, you know, who's got the, the nicest facility, the biggest stadium. Mm -hmm. I can't afford to chase that. Mm -hmm. So we have to focus on the experience of when people get driving the parking lot, how do they feel today? Mm -hmm. And how are they going to feel when they leave? Mm -hmm. And that comes with two things. What are the greens like and what's the food like? Mm -hmm. Those mm -hmm. are your two drivers mm -hmm. in this industry. Mm -hmm. People remember that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, today uh, we focus on family, so you have to have activities for all members of the family to, for them to stay engaged with, your, with their club. Or they'll drop out. You know, lack of use, if they don't use it, they, they quit paying the bill. John, a lot of courses tend to follow creeks and other water boundaries. Uh, has there been any issue with climate change? I know a lot of underwriters are starting to panic now about, you know, insuring homes, especially that might be adjusted in a floodplain. Is there any? There are a lot of golf courses in floodplains because that was the, uh, you know, land you couldn't build on. And one of the things that happened to us in South Carolina at Musgrove Mill was all the development upstream from the river in Greenville, the airport, et cetera. All of a sudden, you know, we we're getting these huge floods coming down through the golf course that we hadn't, they hadn't registered in over 100 years. So obviously, uh, development, uh, you know, the rainfall we've had in the Carolinas, that has been... Uh, somewhat destructive to the courses. No. I want to go back to something Bob said, John. He was talking about the, the broader experience. So what, what do you look at, what would convince you, and not saying yes or no, but what would convince you that the portfolio of the McConnell Golf courses should be expanded to include other than just pure golf? And I'll cite the idea that Wynn Golf Club out in Las Vegas just reopened to the public. After being closed for years, it's $550 a round. It's a fuller experience now. So without, and I, and I hear what you're saying about, well, we wanna, we wanna be true to the sport, and that's my, my term, but how will you know that the portfolio of courses needs to be expanded? Uh, we concentrate on the golf course, the tennis, and fitness. Fitness is a big driver for us, especially in the, uh, the younger generation and the older generation. <clears throat> that, that you have to have uh, outstanding facilities in, the, in that market as well. And, you know, certain urban areas, uh, our club, Providence Country Club here in Charlotte, has a huge tennis program. And uh, that's been, you know, very beneficial in attracting social members that don't play golf. Mm -hmm. So you're trying to build, just like any company, you have a certain group of products, golf, fitness, tennis, food, et cetera, and you try to make that an overall experience and some people will take all of those experiences and some just want to play two or three. So you have to tailor your membership based on the demographics of that market. Mm -hmm. John, 10 years ago, it was unheard of for someone to have music in their cart. Now you hear classic <laughs> rock and roll all over the golf course. How's the game of golf going to look different 10 years from now? Uh, definitely every <laughs> cart will have music. Uh, they'll have a 
a hookup for their uh, mobile phone or computer or whatever to get, keep up with their business activities. Uh, a lot more shirt tails will be hanging out than <laughs> might have been in the past. So, uh, you know, you, you have to have more of a hip culture now if you're going to attract the, I call it the 25 to 40 market. Speaking of that, how do you increase accessibility to the courses? Do you have any particular programs? I know First Tee, for example, has done a tremendous job mm -hmm. introducing kids to it. Are you involved in that as well? Uh, we're very much involved. Uh, we, we provide free clinics to the members' kids in the spring for golf and tennis. Uh, you get a huge number of kids coming out seeing if they're going to like the game or not, and maybe 10% become lifetime golfers. Uh, we also picked up uh, uh, management contracts at two public play courses because I wanted to find uh, an entree to the low dollar market and see if I could bring the country club experience down market and would that be beneficial and would it, could I grow that, that club? And the answer is absolutely. Uh, that's something that uh, we figured out that uh, the average player, whether it's public or private, they, they like to be treated as someone special. And you know that's been very helpful. Uh, and, and once they see our product and our service level, then a lot of those kids sometimes then become private members down the road. So can you still deliver that experience to the public course member without incurring the expense internally or the wholesale cost to do that? Uh, service doesn't cost you a dime. Is that, hmm. is that service like a Chick-fil-A kind of service? Yes. You know, you drive to the car, you pick their uh, clubs out of the car for them in the parking lot, you wipe the clubs down after they finish rounds, uh, you know, you keep the product affordable, but it's more like remembering the name. You know, automation helps, helps you remember people. You know what their beer uh, brands they drink, you know their golf balls that they use, so, you know, you, you can fine tune your customer delivery and, and people knowledge by just a few you know, service points that you try to ingrain in our staff. So how do you, how do, you do that? And why aren't more people doing it if it's that easy? Uh, I think we do it every day for a living. And most private clubs are run by boards that turn over once, one year every two year uh, tenures. Uh, a lot of them do other things than their day job. And I feel like uh, we're better at what we do than, than most private mm -hmm. clubs are. And I, and I think the trend na nationwide is you'll see more uh, clubs uh, being bought by corporate players. You may not want to answer this. Are you still actively looking for good deals out there? We do not own 14 clubs. And you, as you know in golf, there's a penalty if you have over 14. Right. So we're obviously still licking, uh, looking. We've got a, a LOI in on a club in Wilmington. And I'm also looking at another one in Tennessee right now pretty actively. So. We get a lot of calls. I can tell you that. <laughs> Mark, what's your handicap? <laughs> yeah, one one of us was going to get to that. My handicap is usually between my ears, uh, and, and that's one of the problems you have with golf is you you have too much time to think between shots. Yeah. But I'm right now a, a, a an eight handicap. Wow. That's great. Does to Tokyo 2020 first uh, the first Olympics that includes golf formally? Does that change? eyeballs on the game? Do you see it as a major improvement? you see it bringing more people to the game? Uh, I just came back from Japan a couple months ago and they are uh, golf fanatics. You, you know, you see driving ranges because they don't have courses, as many courses as I'm sure they would like, but mm -hmm. 
the, you know, the three-tier driving ranges, you know, every five blocks, people hitting golf balls. So I think Japan will definitely uh, endorse golf in the Olympics. And, 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 yeah, the more exposure you get for any game, the better off it, it will be for its future. And in 2018, it's the first year we've had an uptick in new golf uh, in growth in golfers that since I've been in the business. Yeah. We, we got a little bit more than a minute left. And I want to go to this idea that's kind of bubbled up once in a while and dropped off and come back up. Some folks have talked about, well, there's a real need now for a nine-hole nine par three. You can play a game over a lunch. It can be a corporate experience. It can be a shorter, better experience. Do you see that coming back up? Do you see that as being a, a, a real growth opportunity for those that want to play the game but don't have three or four or more hours to play? I think it's a misnomer that you need to have four hours to play golf. Uh, my buddies and I play in three hours and 15 minutes. Uh, we set aside tee times on weekends specifically for you know young family members where there might be two people that want to go out and play golf so they can go out and play in two and a half hours and still make the soccer game. So we try to tailor our tee sheets to get, uh, you know, speed those, those people with less time, get them on the course and through their round in a quick period of time. Mm -hmm. uh, do I think uh, executive golf courses uh, have a place in the future? Absolutely. I mean, not, <laughs> I'm getting to the age I have to move forward yeah. on a tee set. Yeah. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so sure. I'm, I'm probably a great candidate for one of those uh, down the road. Uh, John, uh, thanks for being on the program again. Sure. Nice to see you. Congratulations. Thank you. And uh, one final comment is I can tell you there is no recession coming to the Carolinas next year. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, we're going to replay that to you. Thank you. Good to see you, Mark. Nice Thank to you. see you, Bob. Good, Good to see you, Chris. Thank you. Until next week, I'm Chris. Major funding for Carolina Business Review provided by Martin Marietta, Colonial Life, The Duke Endowment, Bearings, Grant Thornton, Sonoco, Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina, and by viewers like you. Thank you. Promotional consideration provided by Business North Carolina Magazine. For more information, visit carolinabusinessreview.org.